Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. Last week, we talked about how to qualify for servant leadership. This week, we want to go a little deeper into that, into following Jesus, into the surrender that is the key to servant leadership. So because Jesus is our example of servant leadership, we can qualify for servant leadership by following his example. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What was it that Jesus said about himself in relationship to his father about what he did in the earth? Did he do anything on his own? No, he says, I I only do what the Father tells me to do. Right. And I only say what I hear my Father saying. Yeah. So that's the beginning of surrender to qualify for servant leadership. That's the beginning of serving someone else. You're doing things the way someone else wants you to do rather than the way I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I want to do it this way. (laughs) You surrender, even in the workplace. You surrender to the way that your boss wants you to do things. That's part of becoming like Jesus. It's contrary to our nature. We, we don't want to do that kind of thing. True. We want to do things our way. I mean, how many times when you're training up a child, how many times does your child say, I want to do it my way? <laughs> how many times did we say those things? Yeah, where I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. Yeah, know? exactly, exactly. <laughs> the, the nature of man is to do things contrary to servanthood. Yeah. You have to learn to be a servant. And if you ever want to be a leader, you first have to learn how to be a good follower. Mm -hmm. A good follower learns what the leader wants and does it the leader's way. That's discipleship. That's good. Yes. You know, when Jesus walked with his disciples, especially in those days, you know, you'd, you'd have a teacher and he'd have a group of disciples following him, doing things with him. The goal of the disciple is to become like the master. Mm -hmm. So that means you have to lay down your way of doing things. And and you see it all through the Gospels where Jesus is interacting with his disciples (laughs) and they're trying to do it their way. (laughs) And and it's like, hey, guys, don't you get it? You're disciples. You're supposed to be trying to become like me. (laughs) But it takes the grace of God. And it takes the Holy Spirit. And they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Jesus empowered them to go and do miracles. He empowered them to go and raise the dead. And if Jesus' ministry was just about three years. Yeah. You know, and so you're with Jesus most of that time. By the time he got all the disciples, you know, every day you're learning every day. Right. It's like when when you get out of uh, junior high, you go into high school. And that's where your real intense learning you know, goes on math and, you know, trigonometry and biology and, you know, history, all these things, things that you didn't have on a high degree in your grade school, you're now, you have to have it, especially if you want to go on to college. So you have to learn how to excel in these four years of high school to prepare you for what's next. That's right. And then college supposedly prepares you for what's next after that, whatever field you go into. So Jesus is preparing these 12 disciples 
all together in kind of one outdoor classroom. Mm-hmm. And when you're with somebody that long, you're going to know what they're like after yeah. a while. Rambunctious Peter, you know, <laughs> yeah. would just fly off at the top of his head. And, and a lot of the other disciples you don't hear about. Yeah. You don't hear much about Bartholomew or, or this or that. You hear about Peter, James, and John, the main three, mm-hmm. and then um, everything else just follows after them. Yeah, once in a while you hear about the others, like... Thomas, you hear about he him doubting. doubted. You know, that's <laughs> not a good thing to want to be remembered for. Yeah. So as we're following Jesus, you know, we want we want to be remembered for having Jesus in us. Right. You know, emanating through us, just flowing out of us, His presence. That's how we want to be remembered. That's and right. when you're a leader of an organization, there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to want to remember you for what you did wrong. It's Not always true. as much as what you did right. And sometimes we need that in order to keep us humble. Yes. You know, it's not like a, doing a recording where you can hit the stop button and edit this at the end. <laughs> da, da, da. You know, you can do that. But but in real life, you can't do that. Right. You know. Right. But it sure is a good thing that God blots out our sins. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Remembers he them re- no more. Exactly. <laughs> in the sea of his forgetfulness. Yes. <laughs> so... I just wanted to to, uh, quote Mark Batterson, who said, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Mm -hmm. So the qualifications that we get in being with Jesus are what makes us ready to be servant leaders. Mm -hmm. It's not that we're born as servant leaders. If we're born leaders, we're born with that strong will to do things our way. Mm -hmm. And we have to unlearn that because yeah. that's the natural man, that's the natural human nature. We have to unlearn that in order to learn servant leadership. Yes, even Moses. Moses was trained under Pharaoh in Pharaoh's house. Yeah. He was trained to be a leader, he was a general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had all the brilliance of the teachers because he's like the son of Pharaoh. Right, he got the best. But what happened after how many years? He spent 40 years out you know, he, he got kicked out because of what he did. He killed one of his one of the Egyptians, and he had to flee for his life. So everything he's been trained for has just been booted out the front gate of uh, Egypt. Yeah. And he's out into the wilderness. And now he's on his own, fleeing for his life. Yeah. And he's starting life all over again. I ha- have this picture in my mind as you're describing that, Philip. I have this picture of him taking his princely garments mm-hmm. and rolling them up and burying them in the sand wow. as he's walking across the desert because he he's he not blew it. Need them he's anymore. not he's not going to be that anymore. And couldn't, he, couldn't he use them for a pillow even? You know? <laughs> well, he did at least have enough uh, of his garb, Egyptian garb, on to be identified as an Egyptian when he was in Midian mm-hmm. um, when he met up with the daughters of uh, Jethro. But he had to completely lose his identity Mm -hmm. and become a shepherd. But that was training for dealing with a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We need a shepherd because we're like sheep, and sheep are not known for being smart. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, the point that we want to come into today is the surrender that Jesus exhibited in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew, 
it talks about how three times he prays that this cup would be taken from him. And then, then he says, your will be done, Lord. And then in Mark, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And then in Luke, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel comes and ministers to him, strengthens him. And this is, this is the entranceway to the glorification. The glorification was all about the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Crucifixion led to glorification. Let's get that peace in our spirits that the crucified life is what takes us to glorification. Yeah, It's beautiful. And you don't hear that preached very often when, when you hear about the Garden of Gethsemane. But Jesus said that his, his very bread was to do the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. And so that's what our heart needs to be, that we're in fellowship with him in such a way that it doesn't matter what is presented to us to be our task. Mm-hmm. That we love him so much that we can go ahead and do that. He gives yes. us the grace to do that. Yes. It's, it's like the shepherd. Mm-hmm. You know, the shepherd is always an example that's used, you know, throughout the, the Gospels. But, and, and you see these pictures of Jesus with a little lamb around his uh, neck. Say, oh, how sweet he's carrying the, the lamb. But what we don't always know is um, sometimes when the sheep runs away repeatedly, they would break the leg of the lamb mm-hmm. so he couldn't walk. And so the shepherd would carry the lamb around his shoulders. And then the lamb would bond with the shepherd because he can't go by himself. Mm-hmm. And that's the way sometimes has to happen to us. Mm-hmm. Maybe not break our leg. Or maybe break, break our, our leg. will. Yes, know, whatever it takes to break our will. Whatever it takes to break our will so we will conform and hang on to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that we want to be with him. Once mm-hmm. you've bonded with him, once that little lamb that, that had its leg broken bonds with, with the shepherd for those weeks that he's on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's like a child when it's born. Yeah. Bonding to its mother. And, and then the little lamb wants to be with the shepherd all the time. Mm-hmm. He'll never run away any, again. Not because his leg was broken, but because he bonded with the shepherd. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's about bonding with the shepherd so that we can do his will. Mm-hmm. So there was a time a few years ago, when we were getting ready for our convention, I heard the Holy Spirit say one morning, no, I'm going to put it this way, I heard a voice say, and I wasn't sure that it was the Holy Spirit, I heard a voice say, 30-day fast. Now, how did that make you feel with what schedule that oh well you know with all the things that were ahead of us it was my first response was i rebuke that in the name of jesus (laughs) because i didn't think it could possibly be god yeah and i ate breakfast and then i realized that this was the first of june and our convention started like July 1st or 2nd, something like that. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to get 30 days in before convention, I'd better start now. (laughs) So I repented for eating breakfast. And then um, I went ahead and fasted through breakfast on that day that I broke my fast so that I was complete in the 30 days. But during that time, I received a call from the Congo that I was needed there. 
the mama of a big ministry there that was closely connected with us had just passed away. And her husband had passed away some months earlier. And I went for his memorial service because I felt it was just important for me to be there. And then here all these months later, it, it took quite some time for him, for his body to get back to the Congo because he passed away in South Africa and there were all kinds of political complications and things for getting his body back. So she passed away right around the time the husband was buried. And wow. so it was devastating enough for the ministry that the papa of the ministry had passed away and now the mama passes away as well. And they're begging me to come. And I'm going, how can I do this? I'm already in the middle of the fast. How can I do this? How can I leave right before convention? All the things that I have to do. How can I do that? It's impossible. My heart wanted to go. My heart felt it was the right thing to do. (laughs) But my mind is going, that's impossible. I can't possibly go. And Philip, how how did you feel? I was thinking the same way. How can you possibly go before convention? I mean, it was one thing before you were the president, but now you're the president. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was just a lot of extra, extra stuff. Yeah. And still responsibilities that I was doing from before I was president, helping yeah. get ready for the convention and all those things. So you weren't really in favor of me going. No, I wasn't. No. Especially fasting. Yeah. And so we knew that we needed to hear from God. So we agreed to go into two separate places and pray. And we prayed, and I felt like I heard from God, and? And I had started a fast just a day after Sharon. Oh, I fast, I'd forgotten I fast, Yeah, I'd fasted. I, I, I went 21 days, and I knew now one reason, being on this fast, that gave me the release for her to go. Because going, fasting, you know, and it wasn't no easy flight, had to go... Oh, All it was of, terrible. It was a terrible flight. You know, terrible the, Because it was such a close, uh, it just happened within days after we got the phone call. Yeah. To make connections. And you don't get the best flight or the best seats Mm-mm. when you're, <laughs> there's no direct flights. Or the flights best price. Or the best price. But we did, you did what you did what you could. Yeah. You well, know. I knew that I'd heard from God and you had a peace. I had a peace and God sustained you through that whole time yeah. of the Congo. Yeah. Just fasting. Right. And I just want to make this comment that fasting... Fasting on juice and water. Yeah. Yeah. Fasting is a supernatural thing. I mean, for me it is. Mm -hmm. I don't do well fasting just... I mean, I can't just fast for health. It it doesn't work for me. (laughs) I just... I fade. My blood sugar goes down. I just... I can't do it. But one of the words for uh, to fast, I think it comes from the Hebrew, is the word swum. And it means... To cover the mouth. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I feel like when God calls me to a fast, I feel like he puts his hand over my mouth. Mm-hmm. And when God's hand is over my mouth, I have the grace yeah. to be able to fast. And mm-hmm. I don't have that grace otherwise. And that's what I was holding on to for you. Yeah. yeah. And so God gave me that tremendous grace. So it wasn't according to our will, but it was according to the will of God. Mm-hmm. And we had, we both had to surrender. Yeah. We both had to let go of what we thought and what we reasoned and all of the people clamoring around me for answers to their questions that I was going to be on the other side of the world when they had their questions. <laughs> I mean, they still could reach me by texting. 
Not always convenient. Not convenient. Not yeah. convenient. And so it's about laying down our will because we love the Father. Yeah. Because Jesus is inside of us, having that relationship with the Father through us, working that in us as disciples, becoming like the Master, so that we can be like him and, and be that servant leader. And, and that's what I did. I, I went to the Congo as a servant leader. Mm-hmm. I really did. But this action that Jesus went through, walking into crucifixion, into dying our death for us, into suffering all of the pains and sorrows and griefs of every human being on the planet, whoever lived and whoever would live, yeah. And and as Dean Braxton refers to it, he he says that that Jesus even paid the price for Jezebel. Wow! Yeah. Even though she had no way of entering into it, he paid the price for every human being, and for Hitler, and for all of these wow. horrible, horrible people who will never choose to enter into it. Jesus paid their price anyway, because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Mm-hmm. That whosoever believes in him would not perish, would not die the death, but have everlasting life. How beautiful. Yes. So we enter into crucifixion through what he did, but sometimes it hurts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, you could, you could nail your feet to a cross, you could nail one hand to a cross, but you need somebody else to nail that other one. That's the truth. And that's the Lord. He has, mm-hmm. the, he has ways of... Spiritually crucifying you, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. not natural. But, uh, I mean, yeah. this is a natural crucifixion. Don't think there's, you know, beating yourself or something like that. Like, you know, happens yeah. in they 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 used to flagellation. They right, call it. Right. yeah. They used to do that in in uh, Philippines and other strong strong Catholic nations. You mm-hmm. know, they would they would really punish and beat themselves. But but we don't have to do that. You know, because no. Jesus took all that. Right. So this is spiritual crucifixion. Right. To, and, your, to and, your soul. <laughs> right. That's ex- that's it. It's, a, it's about laying down our will. Mm-hmm. It's about laying down our intellect. And it's about laying down our emotions so that we'll take up his. Yes. So, you know, Romans 6, verse 6. Do you have that? Yes, I do. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? <laughs> I love that. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. It's all about who we're submitted to. That's the Passion Translation, isn't it? Yes. How beautiful. You want me to read one more verse here? Uh, Sure. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the Anointed One, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. Amen. That's just beautiful. beautiful. You know, one of my favorite scriptures that I learned when I was probably six years old, and and it means more now to me than it ever has, that scripture is Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you have it in the Passion? Yeah. It says, My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. Mm. 
And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the Anointed One lives his life through me. We live in union as one. Exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) How beautiful. How beautiful. You know, it's all about learning how to walk in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, you won't do the things of the flesh. Romans 8.13 says if you live in the flesh, you're going to die. But if through the Spirit you mortify or kill the deeds of the body, you shall live. It's it's not about killing your physical flesh. It's Hmm. more about getting your soul, your fleshly nature, into submission to the Lord. And that word um, uh, mortify gets to put to death by godly principles. Oh, how beautiful. So it's God's way of doing it. Yeah. Because we can't do it on our own. It's true. You know, Galatians 5 talks about walking in the Spirit. And that if you, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the flesh and the Spirit are always contrary to each other. So that your flesh makes you do the things that you really don't want to do. Your Spirit doesn't want to do those things. And, and those things, Paul explains, you know, some of these, some of these things that are, that are the, the works of the flesh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, Let me just read it. Okay. It says in verse 16 of Galatians 5, I'm reading from the Amplified, but I say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. But if you're guided or led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the doings, practices of the flesh are clear, obvious. They are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, factions, sects with peculiar opinions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's really a warning we should pay attention to. You know, if you're after the kingdom of God, don't be caught in all of those things. Do you want to hear these in the Passion? Sure. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, Hmm. chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry Hmm. quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, (laughs) being envious of the blessings of others, Murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Wow. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, and that's what this is about. This is about Mm -hmm. letting Jesus live his life through you, letting the Holy Spirit bring these things, bring these fruit that are his character Uh, The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, 
gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such there is no law that can bring a charge. And those who belong to Christ Jesus the Messiah have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. Wow, that's just beautiful. That's the crucified life. It's not meant to be horrible. It's no. meant to be delightful. And when, when Dean Braxton, you, if you listen a few episodes back when he went to heaven, he says, when he got to heaven and Jesus saw himself in me, I was in. Yes. Yeah, when he, Jesus recognized him, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus was in him. So when we have Jesus in us, we have to put that at the forefront. You know, if we do that, we won't get into a whole lot of trouble. It's you know? true. It's true. And Jesus paid for all this. That's the point. God promised in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, and the writer of Hebrews quotes it in chapter 8. He brings out four points of what the new covenant will do for us. And mm-hmm. remember, Jesus instituted the new covenant at the communion table, you yeah. know, uh-huh. at, at the end of their, probably their Seder on Passover Eve, he instituted the new covenant. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And this spells out what the four points of the new covenant are. God says, I will write my laws into their hearts and minds. That's number one. Number two, I will be to them a God and they shall be my people. Number three, all shall know me from the least to the greatest. He paid for this in that Mm -hmm. cup. His blood paid for this. Number four, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Sometimes the gospel, you know, when we hear the gospel being preached, sometimes we mostly hear about getting your sins forgiven Mm -hmm. and having a personal relationship with the Lord. But let's, let's go deeper on that. A personal relationship means you can know him. Mm -hmm. You can walk with him. This is about going from the garden of Gethsemane back to the garden of Eden. where we surrender our will to our Father so that what Jesus paid for in the crucifixion, when we go into that co-crucifixion with him, it takes us back to, Jesus paid for taking us back to the Garden of Eden before the fall, where, where the first couple, Adam and Eve, were walking around clothed in glory. Mm -hmm. It was their spirit on the outside. And when they sinned, and God came down, the voice of the Lord came down, they ran and hid. Yeah. Because their glory had departed from them. Exactly. Because of the sin. And when you have this relationship with Jesus, it's like like in, you have a relationship with someone else. If they don't call you for, for a few days or so, you wonder, is something wrong? You know, how come they haven't called? Yeah. You know, I haven't heard from them in a long time. And that's with Jesus. But sometimes he's waiting. He's kind of calling us because he's always there, but we don't call him. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't want him with us while we're uh, doing something. Ooh. Ooh. You know, we didn't ask him first. Let's <laughs> crucify that. <laughs> Says, I'm going to the races. You know. <laughs> Did you pray about that? <laughs> I mean, you know, not that it's a sin to go to the races. You yeah, know, but go where you have the peace to go. go God may, God may have go. a purpose for you to go there to minister to somebody. But the point is that knowing God, 
knowing Jesus, having Jesus living inside of you, having that baptism in the Holy Spirit, and putting on Christ where, where he's in you and you're in him, and you're seated in him in heavenly places, all of these things, the key to all of that is surrender to him. It's saying to him, not my will, but, but yours, yours be, be done. done. And, and I do nothing except I see my father doing it. It's about coming into that submission to him like that naughty lamb that kept running off mm-hmm. uh, with it. Now it's, now it's got a broken leg and, and now it's bonding. While it's healing. While it's healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't walk on it while it's No, broken. you can't get around. And so God provides painful moments to help us come to him, to bond with him. And that brings us into into that place where we love him and we keep his commandments. Jesus said that in, in John 14, 23, if a man loves me, he'll keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our dwelling with him. Amen. We, that's what the Garden of Eden's about, living mm. with him. That's where the secret place of the Most High is from, from Psalm 91. And as we are in that place, we're, we're looking into his word. We're looking into him. Amen. Uh, let's look at, at 2 Corinthians 3.18 as we close. I want to read it from the uh, Amplified. And all of us, as with unveiled face. Now, it's referring to when Moses had so much glory because he'd been in the presence of God. Okay, mm-hmm. he'd been in the presence of God, yeah. and it made him glow. But just like just like Adam and Eve glowed because they were in his presence. This this time with God brings our spirit out and our spirit is that I don't want to say this in any way that would make you think I'm new age because I'm not. This is not new age teaching. But our father is light according to 1 John 1:5. 1, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Mm-hmm. And we are made in his image. So we are made to be light. And that's why he said in, in Isaiah, arise, shine, for your light, light has come. come. Yeah. Walking with him causes the light to, to begin to make us shine. And so mm-hmm. Paul is talking in 2 Corinthians 3 about how Moses had to put this veil over his face and how now all these people have this veil over their minds when the, the law is being read to them, the word that Moses wrote. But verse 18 says, and all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor. And from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. In other words, as we are fascinated with the word of God, Mm-hmm. And letting the word of God come into us. And, and as we read it, we're, we're eating it like bread. It's bread to us. It's, it's nourishment to us. The word of God is like, is like food. And it provides the strength for us. It, it changes us as we look at it. So as we're looking into the word, it's like a mirror shining back at us that causes us to become more and more and more glorified. We change because we get more revelation. We change because we continue to submit to his will. We continue to submit to what we see him doing in the word. We continue to submit to what we hear him saying in the word. 
and it keeps changing us more and more and more from glory to glory. And that, that light that is Jesus Christ, he is the glory. Yes. In John 12, Jesus said, glorify your name. And Father said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. It's his restoration. It's the restoration of the glory that was hidden, that he laid aside when he left heaven to come to earth to become a man. He laid aside his glory, but now he's gone back to where he's, where he's glorious again, and he's living inside us, wanting his glory to shine through us. And as we submit to him, as we surrender to him, we are becoming like him from glory to glory to glory to glory. And that is what qualifies us to be servant leaders. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence. Mm -hmm.